This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest edition of the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm your host, Conor O'Neill, and I'd like to be joined this morning by Joe Thomas, Chris Beasley and Gav Buckland as we look back on a huge weekend of football for Everton Football Club. Not only did the Blues pick up a much-needed win away from home, the first since August, and he's Leicester City at the King Power, but they also resolved the bottom three thanks to Arsenal beating Leeds United at the Emirates, while relegation rivals Burnley also suffered defeat at the hands of Aston Villa at Turf Moor in what could prove to be a vital and monumental turn. A couple of days for the Blues in their battle to avoid the drop. But Bees, I'm going to start with you because although all eyes were on King, the King Power yesterday, there were some events on Saturday afternoon that took place that you obviously were covering for the Echo and an yeah. piece on. And that was Everton's sort of farewell trip from Finch Farm to, to, to Leicester before the game and the send-off they got from Blues supporters. It was another act of, of true support, wasn't it, from the Blues? Yeah, I'm sure Joe will obviously go on to it on, on, on the, what happened at, uh, um, at the King Power um, yesterday and the, the incredible support that was shown for the game. But that really set the, t- the, the tone... For the weekend, we'd seen that incredible support at Goodison that, that the previous week had got that's come over the line against Chelsea. People saying they've not known that for you know many a year, certainly for a daytime fixture. And yeah, but it's one thing showing your support in the stadium, but turning out Finch Farm, 10 miles out from Liverpool City Centre out there in Halewood, and they were there en masse. And uh, you know, if that doesn't give you a booster, I, I don't know what doesn't. You know, fair play to the players, they have responded, you know, they've been underachieving for a long time. But they've seen that support, they've seen that passion from the fans, and who knows? I think it really has helped them get them over the line in, in these fixtures. They've seen just how important um, this is to Evertonians and how much it, it means to them. Of course, it means it means everything to all clubs. You know, we, we can't be dismissive on that point. But given Everton's proud, long history in the, in the top flight, and the, the fans are just doing everything they can to try and lift these players. And they and they have responded in, in recent weeks, and I think it, it you know the, that support they got from that Finch Farm, and obviously Joe will go on to mention it, that the game itself really did play a big part in them getting these results, and uh, it, it was quite emotional really to see that. You know, I, I've shed a tear over many things in my life, never over football, but I, I felt emotional seeing those, those scenes at, at, at Finch Farm, and, it, and um, Frank seemed to lap it up, you know, fist bumping with, with the young fans on the on the father's shoulders and things like that, you know. It was it was really inspirational, really, and I think that the players did take that on board. Joe, B said there in terms of it set the tone. Use the King Power yesterday for the echo cover in the game, and I think what we can safely say is the noise and the support from that away end was nothing short of incredible. It was it was absolutely sensational. You know, I've been to a lot of football matches in my time. It's very very rarely seen anything as in, intense and as passionate as that from from an away following. It, it really was, you know, to Last last weekend against Chelsea was was phenomenal. That was intense. That was that was crazy. Um, obviously, you expect to be able to rally the troops when you're on home soil. Of course, you know when you're in your own backyard. To then go to somewhere like Leicester and you know the atmosphere for the Leicester fans. I think it, it was a bit of an end of season kind of last day of term for them. Almost the sun was shining. They got nothing really to play for. Obviously, they, yeah, there's a lot of artificial noise in that stadium. Yeah, the, the, the speakers are very loud. They've got these, they dish out these clappers to the Ever to the Leicester fans, which make a hell of a lot of noise, even when not many people are using them. But mm. yeah, those three thousand three hundred and thirty nine or so Everton fans just drowned everything out for so much of yesterday. It was it was bonkers. You know, from about from about twenty minutes into the game all the way through to the end, and then at the end, you know, I was. Sat there filing, you know, what's essentially the match report. You up to, you know, ten, fifteen minutes still in the stadium, still in my seat doing that, and just to the soundtrack of, of those of those Blues fans. You know, it really was a, a party atmosphere. You know, I wrote it in in one of my pieces that you know, if, if you were if you were a neutral, I had no idea what was going on. You'd think that it almost the roles had been reversed. That actually it was, you know, it was. It was the Everton fans that have just flirted with Europe, that have stocked stocked up their trophy cabinet in recent years with you know, with, with silverware. You know the fact that they can, the fact that they can muster that amount of enthusiasm, that amount of drive, determination, passion, create such intense atmosphere in so many different scenarios. Given the situation that Everton fans have been in, everything they've been through is just phenomenal, and just God help anybody if Everton actually have any success. <laughs> Gav, we will touch on the game shortly, but in terms of the supporters, 
they deserve a huge amount of credit, I don't think, because I think after the Wolves game, you know, we were both there and there was a, a kind of a feeling of it, it was done in terms of relegation, silence at full time, you know, the, the mumblings to the, the people next to you, but there was a, a almost a kind of an air of instability of what was to, to come. Yeah. The supporters have simply took the mantle around me and said, we're not going to accept relegation, we're going to do all we can to, to get the lads over the line and, and, and pull ourselves away from danger and, and, and we're going to give it our absolute all and, and they deserve huge much credit for that, don't they? Oh, definitely. Uh, fantastic scenes last week, fantastic scenes during and after the game on yesterday. It's that clip on American telly where he, he stayed on for like three or four minutes, didn't he, on the way, way, uh, way end. I seen somebody last night said they compared to said it was the best away atmosphere since White Hart Lane in in 1985 when um, going for the title, and I was there that night, and that's the best Everton game I've ever been to. Uh, so if it's sort of that level of intensity and power, then you know it was obviously brilliant. I wouldn't have fancied being in the Everton end of had the hangover yesterday, really. <laughs> You've got a bit of a headache and you want like a bit of a quiet afternoon and not too much noise. I think it might have been might have been a little bit too much for me, really, if it had been hungover. Um, but yeah, fabulous. But I've said all along is and I'm not this is not a criticism, it's just an observation that players get you over the line. Supporters don't, you're still up to the players, you still you still gotta do your job. And the, the management team as well. And if Everton stay up, and I think we're twelve to one to go down, which was considering we were six to four on last Saturday, uh, if we do stay up, you have to put supporters to play the part. But ultimately, it's down to Jordan Pickford pulling off world class saves. It's up to Frank and his coaching team getting the right system. It's up to you know Wobie being a up and down, you know right back. Michalenko pulling out of early when you need it. Those those things get you over the line. Supposed to play a role, but it's ultimately the players and the management. The same reason that if the bottom of the table, it's their fault. And um, I think, you know, full credit for, for the, the players and the management and the coaching staff. You, you, you get the impression that the coaching staff, I know coming off on the tangent here, sorry, but I think it's relevant to the, the question, because it, it's everybody. You get the impression that the coaching staff have really got to go things over the last couple of weeks as well. But the sports have been fabulous uh, yesterday as we were at Chelsea. And um, I expect those scenes to be, you know, seen again between now and the end of the season. Because in terms of yesterday's game then and looking back on it on a whole, you know, it was, this is an Everton team I haven't won the away game since August when they beat Brighton 2-0. It's, a, it's, an, it's an Everton team that has suffered numerous away day woes. They, they, they often kind of found a way to drop points to get beat on the road. But this was a real battle and hard-fought, long due, spirited away, away day display, wasn't it, from Frank Lampard's side? Yeah, it, it had everything, really. So, so many elements that we think is why it was so important. Um, <clears throat> I imagine a lot of Evertonians would have been happy taking four points from these two away games this week. Uh, but now they've got three points. Now they've got that monkey off their back and they finally got that long overdue away win. They'd be thinking, oh, well, get all six now. Um, so it's it's that element. It's finally um, banishing those away day blues. And for whatever reason, because I mean, I did a piece on Saturday. There's never been, as much as Everton been struggling, there's never been a discrepancy in modern times between the home form and the away form as there has been this season. Obviously, we knew the, what are the top 10 home form. And the rock bottom away form. So, like ten places different. I mean, it just didn't sort of add up. I think. I think in, in the piece I was doing, it was showing that the biggest discrepancy in the previous meeting had been seven places, um, and that was only um, since Mr. Mashiri had taken control. So it sort of was this group of players as well where they, they've not done the business away from home. So to finally um, to, to grind out that result, and of course there was adversity again. I mean, they'd gone ahead with that amazing goal from Mikalenko, and we'll obviously talk about that going forward, but. Then there's a mistake as well. There's another howler at the back and mix up, and that ends up Yuri Mina going off after that that collision. And you think, whoa, here we go again. And um, they're facing adversity in that respect. So to to reclaim the lead, and there were tough um, times there. Pickford again, as we've mentioned, to pull out a few more worldies. But yeah, backs against the wall, and and they finished the job. You just you just got to hope now. It gives them that platform to go to go to Watford and build on it and it's all of a sudden like you say the, the results going in their way as well um, 
it's looking far rosier than it was. Even after uh, even after the, the, the Chelsea result, um, it's actually been a weekend where everything sort of went Everton's way, provi- providing those injuries aren't too bad. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Joe, in terms of, you know, Beast was trying to dare, but in terms of equaliser, Everton conceded where, you know, the Mina and Coleman were into each other and allowed Zaka to, to race clean and score. You know, that 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 was a, a feeling of here we go again, you know, Everton have shot themselves in the foot. But do you think it's a testament to, to Frank Lampard mainly as his manager and, and as Gav touched on his coaching staff in general, that Everton have, have got a new family mentality that they simply, you know, brushed brushed their mistake aside, picked themselves up and went again and you know, do you think maybe a couple of, you know, certainly a couple of months ago, that probably would have been a game Everton would have went on to, 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 to be beaten in because they would have maybe fell apart? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think, you know, mistakes, individual errors, collective errors have been a feature of Everton's season. There's, there's, there's no doubt about that. Uh, and trying to sort those out has probably been one of Frank's main missions. I mean, just after the Leicester equaliser yesterday, there was another coming together when trying to deal with a high ball, and that was... Mm. That was uh, Yerry Mina and Mason Holgate took each other out trying to do one. Now, Everton didn't get punished for that. But, you know, 20 minutes in, one each, and I haven't seen those two clangers. You, you are looking at things and thinking, is this going to be another one of those, of, of those days? It didn't turn out to be. I think one of the big impact, I think one of, I know he was involved in the mix for the first goal, but I think the impact of, of having both Coleman and Delph, I think, has helped a lot. Obviously, you know, the coaching staff and Frank will have done a lot at Finch Farm, but they've also spoken a lot about how Coleman's a leader on the pitch. I spoke to Jordan Pitford um, last week and he was talking about his emergence of a leader and how when he's out there balling and looks like he's screaming, shouting, really he's trying to shout out instructions and, and, and give demands to his players and organise them. Um, but I think if you look at since the international break, obviously Coleman's come back after a bit of an absence Delph come back after months out and I think both of them have just added a lot of composure into that side you know I think I think I think we all understand that Everton aren't the best team in the league or one of the best teams in the league and I think I think Frank understands that now after having a few months to look at those players that when he comes up against someone like a Leicester or you know always more obvious with someone like you know a Chelsea or or a Liverpool what it's about now is it's not about trying to necessarily outplay them at football it's just trying to make the most of the strengths that you've got obviously we see that a lot of what he's doing against some of these sides that like to try and play through teams is to try and force them out wide and then you know if they're, if they're putting crosses into the box having a relatively comfortable at dealing with crosses and I think it's just a lot more about organization and composure and strategy you know a clear plan going into games which is then being executed by having leaders on the pitch and experienced footballers who can who can pick up themselves and those around them after mistakes. You know, yesterday Evan made a couple of mistakes. It's the first time in a, in a good few games really that they they've been undermined or a, a mistake had been costly. And I think that shows their development. And I think what was further highlighting that development that Frank's managed to get into and some of those players are managing to have an impact on is the fact that after a you know a mad five minutes yesterday they kind of they got their heads back together, and you know they were resolute. They were resilient. They they weren't they weren't brilliant yesterday. They didn't tear Leicester apart or anything like that. But what they did do was they made it hard. And this is what they did against Chelsea. It's what they did against Manchester United. It's what they did in the second half against Leicester. And it's what they did for the first hour against Liverpool. What they did was they they made it hard for the opposition to beat them rather than beating themselves. And that's probably a bit of a turning point. Everton aren't throwing away games themselves at the minute, which is what they have done at various points throughout the season. They're at least asking questions to the opposition and forcing them to come up with the answers. And the way it's gone the last few weeks for a lot of different factors, coaching will be one of them, returning players, the fans, all of a sudden Everton are you know, actually coming up trumps when they're being asked to defend and put men behind the ball, but then also show a bit of ruthlessness on the Everest, on the uh, when they're going forward and they're getting results as a, as a consequence. Gavin, in, in terms of you know individual performances, there's so many we, we can pick out, there's, there's so many we can talk about, but we want to start at the back because Jordan Pickford, it seems, you know, in recent weeks, certainly, but pretty much all season, if we're being honest, is on a one-man mission, isn't he, to make sure Everton are playing in the Premier League next season? 
Yeah, 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 exactly. And this is what I'm saying about before, about it's players that keep you up, players that send you down. And if Jordan doesn't have two absolutely world-class performances in the last two games, we could have conceivably lost both matches and we'd be having a different conversation to what we're having now. And he was outstanding yesterday. He wasn't that busy in the first half. He had that, it was just a flurry in the second half, wasn't it? Of three great saves, I don't know, in 10 and 15 minutes uh, span. And he, uh, you know, it was a, it's funny enough, I was watching Andy Gray and he said the third save was the best because it came through a, you know, a ruck of players. And you've seen it late, you know, where he, he darts to his left and tipped it around the, the corner. I thought the second one was outstanding because it was very short reaction time. And, you know, there's a difference there. Comparing to Michael in the first half, who's got a you know, reputation as a great goalkeeper, I'd probably argue he isn't. When Schmeichel parried the header from the Charles, went straight to Holgate. You know, Pickford's parry yesterday took it out for a, a corner, didn't it? And that's the difference between the two keepers. And that's when you, you think, well, you know how hardy Schmeichel's rate as well. Pickford's obviously, to me, is a much better keeper. And he was outstanding yesterday. I said after the the the, the Chelsea game, you, you could have driven an armoured personnel carrier at him and you would have stopped it. And but for one mistake yesterday, I think it was probably the same, wasn't it? And you, you saw his reaction. Um, he's, I don't think he was too happy with our defenders on occasions. If he was, <laughs> but um, yeah, he was he was outstanding, and he, he's not on a one man mission, but he's certainly been a massive contribution, hasn't he, over the last. Last month, um, to to is it ten points from five games? We've got, yeah, brilliant, brilliant again yesterday. Um, and I must ask God why he only got nine on ten, not ten on ten for his <laughs> match ratings. When I see him at the time, but yeah, outstanding. But and but as you say, Connor, this this form has been going eighteen months ago. But, you know, it started and he was he was superb. He's listeners of this podcast and and everyone's in general know how good Jordan Pickford's been for a, a long. For, for a long time now, and mm-hmm. they will keep reminding. But do you think over the last two weekends, certainly, the, the, the football, the rest of the football and public yeah. have seen what Evertonians have been going on about for so long and are witnessing their own eyes just, just how impressive Jordan Pickford's been? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's something I was talking to Michael Ball about um, a short while ago. Yeah, we've seen up close, haven't we, for a long time, just what he's, he's capable of. And there's been this idea about Jordan, what you call it, a gender or whatever. I mean, as England number one, it's the first time Everton have had to experience something like that. Obviously, Neville Southall's best in the world when he was Everton, but he was playing for Wales. But as, as England number one, it does bring a certain amount of scrutiny with that and you're always under the microscope. And then there's maybe people pushing um, their own different agendas if you're playing for what it seems as being a more fashionable club. And obviously, um, Ramsdale's at, at times this season, he's had um, people backing him. But yeah, they pick for the, the reality is that um, he's been very consistent, like Gav says, now for probably 18 months or more. And um, it's a very sort of lazy sort of synopsis of, of the situation to think, well, Everton are struggling. So Jordan Pickford's not been at his best or maybe he's not been playing well, but he's been outstanding for a long time. It was the same going into the Euros um, last summer. I mean, there were people saying, oh, well, he only plays well for England. And we've proven it. We'd looked at all our player ratings in the three months going into it at the end of last season. And he'd actually gone in and really good form for Everton going into the Euros where he'd actually got the, the golden glove, was it? So, yeah, he, he, he's a very capable um, goalkeeper and he produces these amazing saves. Like I said, last weekend, that one he, he did against Chelsea, the highest compliment I could say to him, that's as good as anything I've seen from Southall. So, it would be a massive, really, because I think staying up, he's one of the he's one of the Everton players you'd be hoping would be remaining at the club. Whereas if Everton were to be relegated, and don't forget, you know, it's not over yet. It's looking a lot more rosy now, but you know, it's not job done yet. If Everton were to be relegated this summer, you can't imagine an England number one wanting to go into a World Cup not playing in the Premier League. So I mean, so it could be a huge thing for for Pickford's Everton future that, that you know that Everton stay in the Premier League. Joe, another player who opened his Everton account yesterday in spectacular fashion, um, but in general, producing a solid defensive display before being replaced the second half with Vitaly Mikalenko. The, the, the young Ukrainians getting best and best, isn't he? Really passing game and has really become a, a solid, reliable Everton option, hasn't he, at left back? 
Yeah, he, he really has. I mean, his, his, his rise in stature and his importance at Everton's side has just been so impressive over over recent months. I mean, obviously, the first thing everyone goes back to when they think of him is, is what's going on in his homeland with, with the Russian invasion. And, and it's it's you know it's impossible to understand how difficult that must be uh, for him. But bravely, he's you know he's, he's he's still playing football and you know amidst those personal difficulties, you know, he came into the club under very difficult circumstances from a from a footballing perspective as well. You know, he came after that or amidst that January chaos of the controversial departures of, 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 of Luca Dean and and then Rafa Benitez. And, you know, we see it time and time again. There probably isn't a position on the pitch that we've seen more evidence of it being difficult to acclimatise to in the Premier League if you're coming in from 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 foreign leagues you know, than, than the fullback position. You know, time and time again, we see, especially January transfer window signings. Remember one being obviously you know, Patrice Evra when he, he he signed for Sir Alex Ferguson at Manchester United, and for months he really really struggled. It wasn't until he'd had those introductory months, and then he'd had the summer and pre-season, and then he ended up becoming obviously the, the decorated player for for that side that he, that he was, and we see it with other fullbacks as well. So, you know. It take, often takes time for for fullbacks to to get up to speed with the Premier League and to have an in, in, impression. He hasn't really been able to be afforded that time because of Everton's situation. I was going to say injury situation, but then partly it's also the result of poor recruitment and long term planning decisions over the years. You know, we haven't been in a situation where they've been desperate for a left back to emerge in the, you know in, after the departure of, of Dinho. And in those early games, um, you know, around February, well, it took a while for him to get into the side. But you know, see, it wasn't wasn't clear how quickly he was going to get up to speed. But since the international break, he's he's just grown with every game. He was the the, the game that started it for me was probably the Man United game. He was he was excellent in that, and that was a you know, obviously that was probably the first of the set of big results that Evan have had since relegation started to look like a real, real danger. And with each passing game, he's got better and better. And, you know, he he deserved that moment. I mean, it's easy to say that he deserved it from a personal point of view yesterday. Of course he does. But just from a professional point of view, you know, he hasn't just played. He's played and he's got what he's, he's played and he's, he's played well. He's developed. He's clearly fighting for everything. And I felt the... He just needed almost, he just needed a special moment, like a highlight, just to kind of cap it off. And it so nearly came against Chelsea last week and it would have made the the second half a lot more easy, a lot more easy to watch for all of us if just after Richarlison scored, obviously the, the ball came, I think Decore fed in, in Mikolenko at the back post and he, he had enough time and space to have done better really. He could have, he could have put Everton 2-0 up instead he, he failed it high and wide. And I think you could see the disappointment on his face. At the time, well, you know, he's got that moment. He's only had to wait a week, wait a week for it, and, and what a moment it was! I mean, it was a superb strike, and obviously it set set the tone for it. Got Evan off to a good start, and they needed that. You know, against Leicester at Goodison Park, you know, Leicester took the lead after five minutes, and they played Evan off the park for the first thirty. Even yesterday, before even though Mikolenko only scored after six minutes, Leicester had already provided a few scares. You know, Pickford had already been. Um, Tested once uh, by by Ian Acho, and Dakar had had one cleared almost off the line from from Mina. So it was clear that Leicester were going to pose a threat, and Everton needed something to settle them. And you know, they got a bit of a bit of magic from an unexpected source, but but one that one that one that deserved to have that moment in the spotlight. You know, it was, it was brilliant to see, and I'm so glad that you know, we alluded to it earlier. Obviously, Everton then conceded. They had the calamity for the, for the equaliser and so often this season we probably would have seen them then go on to lose that game you know I'm not just delighted for Mikolenko that he's had that incredible moment but I'm, I'm delighted for him that, that it means something that it's mattered you know it's a goal that's helped them win three points that could be crucial to say in the in the Premier League rather than just be overshadowed by you know another collapse as may have been the case in you know in, in November or December you know it's a big goal. It's a big personal moment for him, but it's a big moment for, for Everton as a football club. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Gavin, in terms of, you know, Mikhailenko, since he come in, you know, 
probably the modern day football fan trend now that people are quick to judge, people are quick to cast opinion without actually, you know, witnessing a few games with their own eyes. But do you think there's a few Evertonians eating humble pie when it comes to Mikalenko, given how impressive he's been in recent weeks and how he's, he's seemingly come on? Um, not sure about that. I think there's a general understanding that when he came in in January, it was it was difficult for him. Um, and also, for lots of reasons, as Joe said, like, you know, foreign, foreign players generally, you know, you do need time to settle. And he's only had four or five good games, by the way, so you need to have half a season, don't you, and push on, you know, so you judge him next year, like a lot of players. But you can see the attributes he's got and how well, you know, well suited he will be for to English football. And you've seen a far more of an attacking threat in the last few games, which every modern fullback needs. And I just thought that was a brilliant goal yesterday. I don't know whether you saw Ian Wright talking about it last night, saying what a difficult technical goal it was yeah. because of the height of the ball that it came to him. And also as well, there wasn't a lot of power on the cross, wasn't it? It was a bit of a floaty cross. So all the all the power from the shot had to come from him. He couldn't just feed off the cross. And if you see him, he takes a massive swing with his left foot. You know, he doesn't just, just sort of strike it normally. He takes a really big swing. And to get it on target and right in the corner from that, from you know, from that position, you know, no pace on the cross, quite high up. That that was somebody who's a very very good player. You know, you know, if you want to go retro eighties, I meant you know Kevin Cedi-esque, you know, and he has the best left foot I've ever seen. So yeah, that was a special moment. But like a lot of things, we we need to judge him on far more games. But he's heading in the right direction, isn't he? over the last four or five matches, and if he carries on where he's going and you see the type of player he is, you see his physical stature, his range, he's a good defender, he covers ground quickly, he's got all the attributes to be a you know a, you know, a very good Premier League fullback, but it's it's early days. Yeah, but you know I'm made up for the lad he, like a lot of fans, he's probably my new favourite player, so I was made up to see him see him score yesterday. He's another Everton player who impressed yesterday and has done the last couple of weeks playing on the opposite flank was Alex Obi. There's obviously been a lot said about Obi since his arrival at the club and, and people have been you know, quick to pass comments previously. But the you know, fair place lad he's really stepped up to the mark, hasn't he, the last couple of weeks and, and he's put a real shift in for, for the side in a bit in the survival bid. Yeah, he's probably he's probably been the one who's whose fortunes have sort of risen the most compared to where they were at under the Lampard regime. And so he's uh, Big praise to Alex Iwobi and big praise to Frank Lampard because, I mean, he came to the club under under Marco Silva, didn't he? And under Silva, Ancelotti and Benitez, he he, he never really produced um, what many Evertonians were, were expecting. Was quite right, you know, for um, the huge fee that they, they paid for him. It was strange in the circumstances he came to the club in that, you know, it's all very much in the last minute on transfer deadline day. They were supposedly in for Zahar and that never happened. And then Awobi was out on a was it in a boat in Dubai or something and ends up signing via the deal sheet for Everton and for, for a big fee. So uh, there were a lot expected from him. And, and we're saying that the sort of the performances and the displays that he's producing now are not in a way that we were thinking what Everton would be getting with Alex Awobi. He's not turned out to be the player that they thought he would be and after underachieving for a, for a few years um they said Lampard deserves a great amount of praise and so does the players who finally finding a role for him finally sort of he's responding again to, to what the fans have done you know he, he's, he seems to have finally tweaked that you know it, it, if I do a run or put a tackle in or something and the, the crowd really appreciate that sort of side of my game and um He's feeding off that, and uh, yeah, he, he's turned it around as much as anyone. And still, you mean you want more improvements, and you want to see sort of a greater output in, in, in the final third. I know he obviously had that that last gas goal against Newcastle United when he was the, the coolest man in, in Goodison Park to take that chance. But you want a bit more of an end product for him. But yeah, he, he's he's certainly responded, and uh, might not be the type of player that Everton thought they were getting, but. Credit to him and the manager for finally getting the tune out of him at long last. So, in terms of a ball, we obviously played the number 10, he's played at right wing back. Is it now a case of he needs to find a position and almost stick to that and 
and not become someone who's so versatile and, and, and someone who can play so many different options for the Blues? No, no, not necessarily, I don't think. I think the versatility has almost been forced upon him by a combination of, to say, perhaps a lack of joint thinking with recruitment and then you know, the, the terrible injury scenario that Evan have had this season because it has, you know, they have had a lot of bad luck with injuries. You know, I think that for so long, for so much of his Evan career, he's been played out of position and then that's a really, you know, a, t- a really difficult situation for him. The thing that Frank Lampard seems to have done is, and he seems to have done this for, for a number of players, and I think it's had an, an effect, is he's basically sim- simplified their tasks. He's, he's simplified what he's asking them to do. He's got a Wobi who is, you know, his favourite position is in at number 10. And, you know, after he got that goal against Newcastle, he, he gave Wobi a, a chance to play in that position for a couple of games. And, and it was off the back of that that, that, that Wobi managed to kind of secure his place in the starting lineup. You know, I don't think it's come as a as a as a great shock that his best run of form came when, for the first time in a substantial period, he was played in a position that he wants to actually play. Um, obviously, you know, Frank, like any manager, adopts his 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 formation and his tactics depending on the opposition and depending on the scenario that Everton are in. And you know, for Chelsea and for Leicester yesterday, that kind of demanded. It will be to kind of fill in as a as a right wing back to tuck in when Everton haven't, haven't got the ball, and I think that what's been really positive is is, is we've seen kind of both facets of, of his game. You know, Wobi has been a, an attacking threat over over recent weeks when he's he's played in his preferred position. He probably would have been more dangerous had he had again better players around him. Perhaps the wrong phrase because Anthony Gordon you know has been exceptional this season and Richarlison is, is, is wonderful as well. But you know I think Everton are very much kind of patching up their attacking lineup to deal with the fact that they haven't got a recognised striker. And because of that, that probably makes it a bit harder for some of the attacking players, you know, to for a Warby to try and build a connection with someone that he can feed for balls through to um, and for someone someone that he can play off. You know, I, I think that we've seen both Facets, both positive facets from from a Wobi in in you know, the past six weeks or so, and that is that when you play him, there's a reassuring element that when you play him in his preferred position, he can genuinely do a job, um, and if and and he could be somebody that Frank builds a side around next season in his preferred position. But even with all that, and even whenever and I've got their backs to the wall, he's not someone that's thrown a tantrum when he's got to play out of position, when he's got to do the dirty work. Yes, he did the dirty work phenomenally well. You know, he was always tussling and tackling down, you know, the, the, the Leicester wide men, uh, bursting forward whenever he could. And, and there was a lot being asked of him, you know, looking at it, you know, there were, there were still obvious glitches within what Evan were trying to do yesterday. That, you know, that even though they've become very effective at perhaps, you know, being compact in the middle, and the low defensive line, and then breaking out from it, it still isn't quite perfect. And, and yesterday, it required a lot of work from from two men, really, from Decore and, and from Iwobi, to to sit in you know to sit in front of the, of, of the back three and play a, a big defensive role. But then also to be constantly, when every opportunity they could do, to be bursting up the pitch to try and link defence to attack. And you know, I think as, as reassuring as it is that Iwobi can be in front when he plays in his favour position as we've seen it's also reassuring he's clearly got the, the drive the determination um, and the discipline actually to, to do a job that you know he might not fancy he might not see as his natural job to do but to but to do it really well when the team needs it to you know there's clearly it's clearly a player in there but it's clearly a player that wants to do a job for Everton and you know, I, I don't think that's always been clear. Not necessarily with him, but just with with a lot of Everton players in in general. As if you know, they, they've been in difficult situations. Obviously, constantly changing managers and injuries and poor form and things like that. It's felt like Everton, the players are always reacting to something else, and that can't be easy for them. But it is good to see the way that Wobi has has kind of again 
like a few other players, come to the fore in, in, in recent weeks, shown he's up for the battle. And, you know, it suggests that he does have some pride in wearing in wearing that, that, that blue shirt when he, when he puts it on. He wants to be in and around that starting lineup. He hopefully wants a, wants a future at Everton. So I think that based on, you know, based, based on what we've seen in these most difficult of circumstances, if Everton stay up, you know, I, I, I hope he's someone that can play a big part in their future going forward. In terms of the overall relegation picture at the weekend, it was a pretty huge weekend in general for the Blues, with Leeds getting beat at Arsenal and, and Burnley getting beat at home to, to Aston Villa. Just, I know it's, 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 it's difficult to say, but just how big of a, a swing do you think them two results were, along with Everton's win in terms of the picture and, and, and moving forward now to the final couple weeks of the season? Uh, I think it's reflected in the odds, isn't it? So it, was, it was six to four. On to go down last Saturday tea time. What are we twelve to one now? Something like that. And um, so yeah, massive. And this way, I mean, like the previous weekend it worked against us, Burnley winning and then we're playing, and this week it worked for us. So you, know, you can't have it both ways. Yeah, m- massive. And I, I think looking at Burnley, if you won three hours of twenty eight, do you then win six on the spin? You know, maybe we've overestimated the, the impact of the, the new manager, and we've, yeah, we've did these six points, which is an absolute massive two games that you probably would have taken. If you think I'd win, a win and defeat would have been gold, us really, wouldn't it? But to win both, and with the support, as you say, and there's a there's a real sense of momentum is absolutely. Absolutely priceless, and we put ourselves in a position now where I think if we perform to the level that we've done over the last five games, then it's in our own hands, and we can, you know, we, we've got enough in the tank, I think, to to get ourselves over the line, even regardless of the other other teams' results. So yeah, ab- absolutely massive, and you hope that this this can act as a turning point in. In, you know, in the club and, you know, Frank's tenure after a difficult start and he's had, and if he comes through it, full, full credit to Frank and his coaching staff who I think have really stepped up to the place in the last last five games. Just, just going back to my, I spoke about the coaching staff at the start. You can see where that's working with Mikhail Anko and the Wobi card because they're obviously well coached in terms of the role within the team and what they've got to do. And you see that with Mikhail I'll get his name right one day, seriously. <laughs> With our Ukrainian left back, um, you know, obviously far better coached, and you know, know know the roles far better. So, yeah. But going back to your original question, massive, still in our own hands. We're now looking up the table rather than behind us, perhaps. And um, yeah, all credit to everybody over the last five games. Ten points, well done. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. In terms of you know with the support, the way Frank Lampard seemingly took to support, the way the supporters seemingly took to Frank Lampard, even in these kind of weeks and, and months of adversity, do you think this is the sign of something special that is brewing here Everton? And should they should they stay up now? There's a real chance for something to be built and, and something to be kind of worked upon and, and something special to come of this. Yeah, I think that was part of the reason. We've all been feeling so rotten in recent weeks. Is, is the time, and of course, it's 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 never a good time to go down. It's never a good time to be relegated. But because there's so much potential on the horizon at Everton, it would seem particularly cruel and particularly unfortunate for it to happen this season. The, the new stadium on the way, you know, it's full steam ahead in that respect, and uh, progress is being made there. We've just heard before the weekend how there was. Um, you know, the, the actual physical skeleton of the stands will be emerging this summer, so you'll actually be able to see the, the stadium physically emerging at, at um, Bramley Moor Dock. So that's on the way in a couple of years' time. And they finally a, a manager who everybody could could get behind, like you're saying, um, after almost having their identity taken from them under Rafa Benitez, you know, a, a decision that was very much Mr Mashiri's, um We've got a manager now who we understand was the unanimous choice of, of all of the board and the Goodison's uh, power brokers, and has been reciprocated with and, and the sort of the uniting force he's had with the fans. He's singing his name from the first game. They wanted him to succeed. 
and after a real tough start, he is now producing the results. I mean, I, I, I did a piece obviously even before the Leicester game, whereas um, there'd been this idea that Everton had somehow declined under Lampard. That wasn't the case. As Gav said, Burnley had had these results that didn't sort of tally with everything that had come before. The new manager had come in and they, they, they'd had this bounce and then all of a sudden Everton moved down. It's not because Everton's results have declined. It's just because Burnley had this sort of unprecedented bounce and Lampard had actually taken 13 points from his first 13 games, which was more than twice what Benitez had taken from his last 13 games, six points. And obviously he's added another victory onto to that now. So the fans very much wanted to see succeed. He's bought into that. You know, he seemed totally at ease with the fans when... They were getting that send-off from Finch Farm. It's not like he was like, ooh, what's going on here? He, you know, he was loving it, wasn't he? Fist bumps out the window, smile on his face. He embraces it. He knows what it means um, to be an Evertonian now and just how passionate the, the fans are. And, yeah, there's, there's so much potential if for, for next season, if, so long as they can get this job done this year. I mean, let's remember, they are still only a point above the, the relegation zone, but it's very much with the potential to build on that now with the, the Whopper game and the two home matches after that to, to get the job done. But yeah, it, it can be brighter times ahead if they can, as we said all along, just, just sort themselves out this year. Joe, he's just touched on it there in terms of the the Watford game and how big it is because you know, I've a, a far from confirmed as, as a Premier League club for next season, but it's absolutely right. There's not the Blues go to Dixford Rhodes on Wednesday and get all three points and carry on the momentum and and give themselves another massive chance of staying in the Premier League next season. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's certainly vital that they don't lose the game. I mean, I think if, if you know, as I think Gav said earlier, if you've offered four points in these two away games on Saturday, I think we would have taken them. Um, and it'd be disappointing to go to Watford now. I think I've lost their last 11 at home and, 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 and not win. And I think that there's a little bit of a, of, of a fear that now that their relegation has been confirmed, that the pressure might be off and some of their players might cut loose. But I found quite interesting Ben Foster's comments after their defeat on, on Saturday, where you know, he called out quite a few of the players, basically saying that there were too many that only really wanted to play for an hour um, and weren't prepared to dig in for a full 90 minutes, and which is the absolute contrast to, to what Everton are at the moment. And that kind of offered me hope that maybe there isn't some, you know, lifting of, of, of pressure and Watford are going to surprise us all and start playing free-flowing football under, under Roy Hodgson on, 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 um, on Wednesday night. The, clearly there is a job that still needs to be done. But thanks to the efforts of the last few weeks, I mean, it's obviously, I mean, it's always just about staying in Everton's hands. But, you know, if you, if you look at the fixtures, what's crucial, what, what, what would be massive, I, I think, is Everton need to do now everything they can do to make sure they don't need a result at Arsenal away. That's, that's what they need to do. Like, they, they can't leave it to the last game of the season. Arsenal obviously fighting at the top end of the table. They're in a situation where wins certainly at the moment and may well at the end of the season, do have an importance to them. I'm not saying that they couldn't go to Arsenal and get something. Obviously, other, other sides have taken points off Arsenal in recent weeks. And we know that, like so many clubs in the Premier League, that you know, they have their own kind of questions over resilience when, when things get tough. But, but really, it needs to be done at the Palace game, if not before. And I think where the Watford game is so crucial, not just in, in, in building momentum and that, but, you know, if Everton do go to Watford and win, there's every chance that actually this weekend, you know, they, they may well have their safety secured. Looking at the fixtures, you know, obviously Leeds go to Chelsea. Um, well, sorry, Leeds play Chelsea this week. Burnley play, it's the game in hand on Burnley in midweek, and then Burnley are away at Tottenham Hotspur side that needs a winner and in good form at the weekend. You know, if, if Everton can make it three wins in a row, then the chance are they'll probably still need a couple more points to guarantee safety. But yeah, if, if we have another weekend like this where everything goes for us and we could be sitting here next Monday, potentially. Yeah, potentially looking forward to another season in the Premier League and looking forward to trips to, you know, Fulham and, and Bournemouth and, and, and anywhere else. And I mean, that might be a little bit ambitious and getting a bit ahead of ourselves. Obviously, you only have to look at Burnley, you, you know, such a good run and then 
have such a difficult result the other day to know that the situation that we're in is so incredibly perilous and nothing can be taken for granted. But I think because nothing can be taken for granted, Watford can't be taken for granted. We can't go there and say they're already relegated. Their home form is terrible. They haven't won in how long. This is going to be, look at our form. Everton are going to win this game. They've got to prepare for that with just absolute professionalism and just know that their reward for, for discipline and, and, and professionalism and for approaching that game in the right manner could just be absolutely huge because they could be ultimately the free, you know, the, the way Leeds have started to collapse and say the upcoming fixtures and win at Watford could just take so, so much pressure off Everton. Gav, in terms of, you know, the Watford game on Wednesday, France, you know, kind of stumbled, stumbled upon, but it's a bit of blueprint for away games like we saw at Leicester and Liverpool in recent weeks. Would you like to see more of the same now or would you like to see them be a little bit more expansive and a little bit more Taking the game two offers on the front foot. Certainly a bit more expansive yesterday. I would argue in the first half, a bit too expansive. Um yeah. yesterday, I think in the in, in the first half, seeing that the break, wasn't it, where you know Decore's shot sort of stopped on the line and at the post, you know. So we, we look dangerous on occasion. So I'd just say play like we did yesterday. I, I, the only thing I'm thinking about is there's a couple of things obviously meaning is you know. Is mean they're available. Though Michael Keane, we should give a shout out for Michael Keane. Excellent. Yesterday they came on it in difficult circumstances. Yeah, I'd say if you don't, you don't have. I'd say the same shape. I don't know about Delft, but Alan could come in. You know, playing Delft in three days it carries its own risk. So it's an eminently winnable game on Wednesday if we just have the same shape and same desire and same heart as yesterday. Buffards with Hudson going at the end of the season, you know, when they're relegated, are they going to be up for it? Just thinking of Norris yesterday at West Ham. So, yeah, it's 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 a very much a winnable game, this, but I don't think we should go hell for ladder because they've still got a couple of dangerous players. Uh, but, yeah, stay the same shape, same personnel where we're needed and, and uh, take it from there, Connor, really, and... So we can easily, it's an easily a three point game for us if we apply ourselves properly. It's a case of more of the same for you, Bees, or would you like to see some changes and a bit of a freshen up? Um, no, I think obviously he kept it the same, didn't he, personnel wise, as he'd done for the Chelsea game. And it's something Gavard mentioned um, a few weeks back, didn't he, where you were saying, Gav, that just get your best 11 as you yeah. see it and, and, and stick with it. I know it's obviously it's midweek games now and it is next week as well. Five, it was five games in a fortnight, or you know, another four games to go. But no, I'd, I'd keep it as, as as similar as possible. I don't want to be like overcomplicate things. Just as much as they can. I mean, obviously the question marks over the the players who who went off there. So you got to see how how they are. And again, it's really frustrating to see Mina go off and. Uh, you know, they're repeating the cycle with that one, but as much as you can, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd stick it the same. And um, hopefully, um, like I said, if, if they play to the, the, the full potential, it is very much, you know, a, a winnable fixture. And as much as we might have taken four points from the two games before, and once you've got that win in the first one and uh, got that monkey off your back, you know, you, you want another one, you want to build on that momentum. I can let you know what's coming next as we. Mm-hmm. In a short today, well, all important predictions. Josh, how about you? What, what are you feeling for Wednesday night? Uh, I'd be as positive as I can, and, and the most positive I can hope for is I haven't had obviously, I'm still relatively new to this job, and there hasn't been a game yet where it's been it's been wrapped up with with uh, with more, <laughs> it's been wrapped up with five minutes to go. There's always been one goal in it, or it's been level, which. You know, for, for anybody that, yeah. for, for listeners, when you're trying to write 800 words for about 20 minutes after a game's finished and uh, you don't know what the actual outcome of that game's going to be, it's, a, it's an absolute nightmare experience. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break that duck this way. I'm going to say that Everton are going to win 2 0. Gav, are you, are you feeling as positive as John? Uh, Fortunately, I've not got 800 words to write uh, <laughs> at the end. Uh, <laughs> can I just say this? This should be like countdown because I was going to say 2 0, and that just looks us out and copying off Joe. So I think in future we should have to write our score on a sheet of paper. <laughs> <laughs> if you go on countdown, show it. 
show it to our fellow podcasters to say we're not copying <laughs> and adding security. Uh, I, I'm going to go with 2 0. I think we're on a bit of momentum. I think Watford, like a lot of teams in the Premier League, are on the beach, as, as they say. And if we, sorry, if we carry on where we've left off over the last two games, 2 0. Easy going for a full house. I am. I thought, like, like Gav says, we should have been made to put these up at the same time, perhaps, because that's how I was just thinking, Evan getting the noses in front and then maybe just pick Watford off for a second towards the end. That's how that's how I would predict it would go. And hopefully Everton go ahead in the in the first half and then they're able to sort of catch him on, on the break in the second and add the second. So, yeah, a hat-trick of two nils. What are you going for? I'm going to go for three nil. Oh, yeah. Three, it's Watford or Everton. <laughs> Everton, Gav, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Might be positive here, yeah, positive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if we went 3-0 to me, I was going to say, that's 5-0 on aggregate this season, isn't it? Watford. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's another incentive, isn't it, Gav? I mean, that, that's yeah. where the decline all started, so hopefully you can... Yeah, yeah, exactly. What we're hoping is that these two games will show, like, the polar opposites of our season, but in a positive way. But yeah. they win 3-0 and they'll have a better goal difference than Burnley as well, which, you know, it all, all matters. Well, yeah, it's another incentive, isn't it? So, let's, yeah. let's not get too ahead of ourselves. I, I just hope for your sake, Joe, it's not 0-0 on 89 minutes, you <laughs> know. You did some Real Madrid impression in the last <laughs> time, you know. Oh, God. Come on now. I think for the whole resort, I hope it's not 0-0. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> But now, lads, we will leave it there. Thank you very much for joining me. It's been a, a, a rather positive upbeat podcast as ever we've the bottom three and give themselves give the chance of survival a huge boost. Well, you've been listening to the Real Blue Podcast. I've been your host, Conor O'Neill, joined by Joe Thomas, Chris Beasley and Gav Buckland. We'll be back towards the end of the week to look back on Everton's game with Watford's and Victor Drolls, their overall Premier League picture after another mid- midweek round of games and preview next weekend's Goodison Park clash against Brentford. But for today, you've been listening to the Real Blue Podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.